Just wait a couple of seconds. Hi everyone, welcome to um, our webinar today. I'm Sarah from Myosh and today's webinar is on safety leadership thinking as a host. Um, before I introduce the presenter, I just let you know that there's a Q&A panel on your webinar software for and asking any questions, which we'll get to hopefully at the end. And um, uh, there may be some uh, chat invited by the presenter, so you can please use the chat panel. As with all our webinars, it's being recorded today and we'll send out an email later today with the recording and a podcast. So our host today is Andy Sean. He's the CEO of Southpac Group, um, as well as being an active facilitator, auditor and consultant. He has led the development of innovative training and assurance programs covering leadership, quality, safety and continual improvement, all with a focus on the critical role of people. He is a postgraduate of Griffith University Safety Science Innovation Lab in Brisbane, Australia, and is a passionate proponent of cutting-edge leadership concepts and safety science. So over to you, Andy. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks very much, Sarah. Uh, and thanks once again for um, sharing your uh, audience with us and giving us the opportunity to uh, talk today about uh, this theme of um, safety leadership uh, and thinking as a host. And kind of the real key focus today is on that word thinking uh, as a host. So we're going to explore a little bit about what that might look like, why a host, why might you want to think as a host, and then finally, how does that relate to safety leadership? So I guess first up, what is the current paradigm around what good leadership uh, looks like? Well, leadership is something I've been really interested in for as long as I've been, I guess, a, uh, in the professional workforce, uh, and all of us can probably reflect on over our, our time in work, um, good leadership, uh, sadly bad leadership. For, it seems to be my experience. People generally remember a really bad leader better than sometimes a really good leader. If I was to ask you who's the worst leader you've ever had, uh, I doubt you'd have any problems thinking of them almost immediately. And you could probably give me three, four, seven, ten reasons why they were a bad leader. Um, so it's something we're all, I think, all interested in. Uh, and we are all interested in good leadership. So what is the what is the kind of what is the prevailing paradigm around leadership? Well, if you were to do a Google search, you were to scan through uh, through LinkedIn. You go through the literature, go through all the most popular books around leadership. The term, the term that seems to come up most often is this kind of idea of the transformational leader. And there have been loads and loads of books written around leadership, which all tend to focus on these kind of, for all intents and purposes, heroic people, whether it's uh, Martin Luther King or it's Richard Branson, whether whoever it is, whoever the latest successful business person is always oh, Elon Musk or whoever there's there's heroes that get held up and say okay these are great leaders and then what are the things that they do and for the most part the most popular ones the ones that fall into this sort of uh what typically considered transformational leaders I'm not going to go too much into the nuts and bolts of what transformational leadership is all about but I'm not a massive believer that this is the most appropriate kind of model of leadership to be a 
kind of promoting, but also trying to get people to take on board. The idea of a transformational leader is it's almost creating this idea of the, the all-knowing, all-anticipating, uh, motivating, inspiring leader who's kind of driving performance and driving the organization forward. And if you look at, again, you go through those sources I talked about before, this idea of driving performance uh, is really very common, whether it's in, in specific aspects, say, for example, safety, or more generally, just driving performance, like as if the leader's behind and, and they've got this vision and they're aligning everyone and driving them forward. Now, I know, I, even myself as a leader, a CEO of our group of companies, I don't necessarily want to see myself as a transformational leader who has all the answers uh, and is really quite a heroic character. For me, for me, it doesn't really sit well. And I'm sure there's probably many other people who feel, feel similar. You know, is this really a realistic uh, expectation? Do we really want to be setting people up to try and be heroes, heroes in your own story? It's not, in my opinion, that realistic. It's not always a good personality fit. Not everyone wants to be that kind of very visible uh, leader. Uh, it's certainly, I think it suits this transformational uh, leadership, certainly suits the more extroverted types. Those who are very comfortable being out front. Maybe you could argue being front and center of attention. Uh, so it's not for everybody. And then also there's a, all these kind of skills that we're supposed to have to be a transformational leader, you know, is it even possible to, to gain those skills or is it desirable? Because all of those skills are more or less, they're coming towards building this heroic leader. Now, that's the prevailing paradigm, this idea of being a heroic leader. But what are the limitations beyond just for the person who's expected to be the leader, who's that kind of fixing, knowing hero? Well, there's also limitations and flow on costs of this heroic model for those other people, those who are supposed to be being led. Um, David Marque, who wrote a great book, I'll refer to again later in the, in the presentation, he wrote a book, Turn the Ship Around. Uh, and he kind of talked about the model of leadership and how he turned a hierarchical model on a, a nuclear submarine on its head. But... He made this comment, if you treat people like followers, they'll behave like followers. So that's kind of like an immediate kind of flow on effect of, well, if the leader has got all the answers and going to be driving performance and telling everyone what to do, well, everyone was, will more or less fall in line uh, with that model. Or as uh, Daniel Hamadal wrote and picked out in this uh, article here, uh, quoting Hans Mondeman, the, um, the architect of the shared space traffic solution in Holland. If you treat people like idiots, they'll behave like idiots. So there is a cost associated uh, with this approach whereby we're looking to leadership to have all the answers and to be the one doing all the thinking. Um, how much space is that leaving for anybody else to do? thinking, uh, to have autonomy, to allow for innovation, creativity, uh, and so forth. So most organizations say they want that, 
but they have tend to have a style of leadership which is more directive um even if it's well intentioned it's more leading towards driving performance what are the alternatives to this more heroic approach to leadership well there are alternatives out there uh, some of you I'm sure many of you will have heard the term servant leadership so robert greenleaf kind of came up with this idea or said come with this idea i'm sure it was far more ancient than that but he codified this idea of servant leadership and it mentions there a servant leader is servant first it begins with a natural feeling of wanting to serve and to serve first um which is a great i think a great idea and other authors have built on this idea of leaders being there to serve the people um the military certainly has some ethos that relates to this but let's just think for a moment in terms of metaphors and what we are saying when we use such metaphors as for example a hero leader or a servant leader see the implications of the hero leader are reasonably obvious in those stories the hero there tend to be two other groups of people in the story the the villains or the bad guys and then there's the rescued people or the people who need saving by the hero i don't think that's a terribly good metaphor for an organization and for leadership in an organization we've got the heroic leaders saving people from the bad guys or the challenge or the adversity i'm not sure that's an entirely empowering thought or metaphor to think on um let's think about the servant leader in that story if the leader is a servant what does that make everybody else in the organization the served the masters are there not times when a servant leader or put the servant aside when a leader needs to take charge needs to make difficult decisions when maybe times when serving alone isn't enough. So servant leadership has some real interesting ideas, but there are obviously also some other, um, some of the weaknesses or deficiencies to that concept, particularly when we think in, in terms of metaphors. Now metaphors can be really very powerful in terms of how the influence, how we think about the role and how we think about certain activities we undertake. So I think there's some benefit and some nice ideas that come out of servant leadership, but I think we also have to consider what the limitations are. Tied this idea of servant leadership, though, I like this phrase uh, from, from ancient China. It says here, the highest type of ruler is one whose existence the people are barely aware of. Next come ones whom they love and praise, maybe a transformational leader. Next comes one whom they fear, and next comes one whom they despise and defy. But isn't, isn't it interesting, the highest type of ruler isn't the one who's loved and praised, but the one whose existence the people are barely aware of, i.e. it's not really about the leader. If the leader's doing a good job, it's not about the leader, it's about, well, performance and things going well and so forth. It's not about this adored, heroic leadership. So that goes above and beyond even the, the hero, heroic. So what's a final, maybe a different perspective again we can add? We've talked about hero leadership. We've just talked a second about servant leadership. Well, a guy by the name of Mark McCurgo 
and then the UK came up with an alternative metaphor, the metaphor of leading as a host. A host, why a host? Why might be useful? Why might be useful to think as a host when it comes to leadership? Well, let's just think for a moment on hosts and what hosts do. What I'd like you to do on the chat feed, which is freely available for you to use on the uh, panel for the webinar, um, please put the first kind of either thought or a typical action associated with hosts into the chat feed. I'm interested to see what you think about hosts and what hosts do. Okay, and as the more, more and more thoughts are coming in, I'm going to start sharing some of these. So you may, we've got uh, guides and guidance like that. Uh, they host or facilitate others' enjoyment. That's a really interesting comment. So they facilitate. That in itself is a really interesting word, isn't it? Is leadership something we typically associate with facilitation? Maybe, maybe not. But it's also there about mentions that other enjoyment. Uh, mentions making you feel comfortable. We're going to come to that point. They're welcoming. They take care of their guests. They're accommodating. Yeah, this one is, uh, facilitates, enables. I'm going to come to that word. They enable. Um, they're confident. They help others. There's loads of really good stuff in here. The host facilitates the well-being of their guests. Isn't that interesting? So they're talking now about guests. Um, it's our responsibility to look after their well-being. You've got accommodating here for a few times, supportive, they lead conversation. They're certainly involved in conversation and sometimes they lead conversations. Yeah. Enabler, facilitator, transparent, making people feel comfortable. Um, personally welcomes and point people in the right direction when they need. And finally, empathetic. Awesome. So there's lots of really, um, and they provide nourishment as final final comment there. So there's lots of really nice ideas and concepts that have all followed through here from hosting. But of all of those different terms, not many of them are things we traditionally associate with leadership, are they? If we think back to our traditional notions of leadership, and what, as I said at the start, what 90% of things that are out there focused on are all things about the leader, the things that the leader are doing is doing, and how uh, it's very much about the leader. Whereas if you think about the host and all the things the host is doing, it's not very much about the host. It's primarily focused on the guests. And that's an interesting thing with that metaphor. So we talk about within a hero, a hero leader, the other people in the story are the rescued or, or the villains. We talk about a servant. Well, the other person in relationship with the servant is the master. Well, with the metaphor of host, the other people in the situation are guests. Now, that's a really interesting relationship and dynamic to think about, hosts and guests. That could be a really quite interesting and fruitful thought process, thinking in your organization, thinking of leadership as hosts and people as guests, because that's a bit more of a two-way relationship, the more you think about it, than, than merely hero and saved or servant and master. Uh, 
And what I think you'll find is it's a very rich metaphor to reflect on in terms of how many different dynamics are going on. So Mark in his book, um, Host Leadership, talks about six roles, roles for engagement, as opposed to rules of engagement for what a host leader does. Now, we've got six roles here, and this is all very easy to, to link back these roles to, say, for example, organizing a dinner party. Or well, in Australia, I've been here 12 years now, so I should be thinking more like an Australian, hosting a barbecue. Uh, so let's think about the act of hosting a dinner party or a barbecue. Let's think about these roles and the role that the, the host plays. So first up, there's the initiator role. So there's the decision that has to be made that, well, I'm gonna hold this function. I'm gonna have a barbecue. I'm gonna uh, have a dinner party, whatever. So there's something can be a bit heroic about being an initiator like that. Um, certainly if you think back to your school or college days, the person who was hosting a party was always the hero, right? You want to to be the, the person who had a party. So there's the initial role of initiating, setting something up. And the second role then is inviting people, inviting people in. Um, who do I want to have at the, the barbecue and the dinner party? So you invite those people. Generally speaking, if you, if you want the event to be a success, you want it to be an appealing invite. You want people to come. You're not compelling people to come, but you hope to influence or want, have people who want to come. Uh, to the event. Hopefully you have a reputation for throwing good events that people want to attend and be part of. The third role then comes this idea of being a space creator. Now, in a, in a, um, in a dinner party or a barbecue setting, well, this space creator is very much a thinking in terms of physical terms, tangible space. So creating a space which is going to be conducive to people to have a good time. So you'd be thinking about any manner, in order to things, having sufficient space. No one likes to be cramped. But sometimes if you're having, you know, you've got an event in mind, you don't want the space to be too big. It's like an event can feel lost if it's too big a space and too few people. So it's about matching the, the size and space to the, to the event. It's about thinking about things like layout, uh, convenience, all these different things to make sure the event is as successful as possible. So this elements of servant leadership and heroic leadership in amongst this, isn't there? Um, the fourth role of a, a host in this setting obviously is to be gatekeeper. So who was invited? Who's not invited? Um, who's maybe... Uh, drinking too much and maybe needs to talk to calm it down or maybe needs to be leaving. We don't just say, that's it, I've invited and anything goes. We set some degree of potentially standards. We have to also, if, for example, we've ever hired a venue for an event, we have to consider, well, any damage that gets done, maybe I'm up, up for the tab for that. Uh, and I've also got my reputation to think about and all these other different considerations. Let's think then about two really important roles, though. Once the event is underway, a good host doesn't make it all about them. Um, a good host is a connector. They see someone who's on their own and go, hmm, who can I connect them with? Oh, they're an airline pilot. This person over here, they've been in the aviation industry. They might have some common 
uh, things in common. Let's connect them. Oh, this is so-and-so. They're from England. You're from England too. Hey, come and talk to them. You know, oh, these people have recently moved from, from a different country. You've had that experience. Tell them about what it was. So you're looking around and considering who else is there and connecting and bringing people together. And finally, you're a co-participator. Well, we know it's bad manners for a host to eat first or serve themselves first. So we're serving and making sure our guests are taken care of and are having a good time. But then we're also joining in. We eat the same food. We join in the event. We join in the conversation as well. So it's not just entirely a um, all action. You also have some time to participate in the event you've created. So these six roles of being a host, how do they translate into other action? How do they translate into a situation in organizational life, which is not a dinner party or not a barbecue, and especially in safety? Well, we'll come to some ideas for that in just a moment. But how does this play out, this idea of thinking like a, a host well there's a really interesting observation that was made uh, by queen victoria of all people uh, in her diaries she had two very famous long-standing prime ministers in the time uh, her long reign uh, william gladstone and benjamin disraeli and these were two very different characters uh, and it was kind of well known that queen victoria was a big fan of disraeli and very um, critical of William Gladstone. Uh, she wasn't a fan of him at all. But it's interesting to get an insight into why from her diaries, which have obviously subsequently been released and can be read. When she was speaking about Gladstone, she said, when I spend time with Gladstone, I'm convinced he's the funniest, wittiest, most the smartest person in the country. When I spend time with Benjamin Disraeli, I'm convinced I am the funniest, wittiest, smartest person in the country. See, what Victoria was putting her finger on was the fact that for Gladstone, it was all about him. And it was the fact that he was so great and everyone else was convinced of the fact. Whereas with Disraeli, she came away feeling that she was <laughs> the one who was so great. So that Disraeli effect was the fact that Disraeli was more adept at making others feel great. And maybe you could say maybe it was flattery, maybe there were other things happening there as well. But clearly he had the better relationship with the, with the Queen. So as Mark says here, great engagement is the keys to truly successful leadership. And the secret to moving forward is knowing when to step back. And that's a really interesting consideration or thing to think about. Being a host is neither just being a hero or just being a servant. It's both. There are activities and things which are heroic and there are things that are more servant-like. And it's about stepping forward and stepping back. It's not one or the other. It's the times to step forward and times to step back. And it's, as I mentioned there, it's kind of like a dance between stepping forward and stepping back and knowing when is the time to step forward and knowing when's the time to step back. So this is really quite an adaptive, uh, agile, I guess, responsive approach 
to leadership. It's not there is one right way of being a leader. These are all the things you need to do as a leader. We're thinking more about what's the most appropriate thing to do in the current situation. So how does this relate back then to safety leadership more specifically or leading in safety? Let's broaden the conversation, leading in an organization. Well, I think one, new th one thing we're all in agreement with broadly, especially those who are uh, doing things with the kind of new view approaches to safety is we all are interested in being a, a learning organization or even if we're not interested in being a learning organization, we're all interested in being better at learning. So what are the traits of a learning organization? Well, this is directly from Amy Edmondson and the work she's done in psychological safety and learning organizations. And her and her colleagues at Harvard Business School, they've picked out these kind of three traits that a learning organization tends to have. They have a supportive learning environment. They have concrete learning processes and practices. And then they also have leadership that reinforces learning. So what I want to focus on and draw the connection to here is how does thinking as a host and how does host leadership tie in with this idea of being creating a supportive learning environment and are also about reinforcing learning. Well, I think it's fair to say that if you're being heroic as a leader, that heroic things aren't necessarily supportive things. So whereas the host leadership metaphor is very much about creating space, those roles we just talked about, inviting in, creating space, acting as a gatekeeper, making connections, and also co-participating, that all goes to creating supportive environments, whether it's for having a good time with your guests or creating a learning environment. So let's talk specifically about one of the key concepts many of us are probably grappling with, the idea of workers imagined versus workers done and how learning and hosting tie back to this concept. So you're probably all familiar with the concept, workers imagined versus workers done. Every organization in the world has a workers imagined, the black line as the policies, the procedures, the guidelines, the best practices, the regulations. This is how work gets done around here and how it's made safe. And of course, every organization in the world has a blue line, how work is really done. Now, as we all kind of generally know intuitively, we know this blue line is there. We, there's plenty of evidence to suggest it's there. You will have to go out and observe either in your own organization or in other organizations in other settings, the blue line. Uh, I've been in many situations when in different places where people have said to me, I'm not really supposed to do this, but what they're telling me is, hey, I'm about to make a blue line variation here from away from the predetermined right way of doing things. So the blue line exists in our organization and the most frequently we come, it comes to our attention when an event happens and we go, oh, look, there's this blue, blue line over here. We probably don't use that terminology. We go, oh, look at this deviation. Look at this violation. Look at this not following a procedure. And we've become aware of this gap well, this difference between the black line and the blue line, workers imagined versus workers done. But that work is done is, is there all the time. It's like variability is always there. And it's not really the gap, which is really that interesting because you got in your organization, you 
do some kind of operational learning activity, you'll you'll identify the gap. Where the learning is really at is about finding out why the gap is there, what's driving the behavior, what is it in the context which is shaping the behavior. And rather than thinking just about compliance, i.e. bringing the operator's compliance back to that black line, thinking more about challenge and struggle. What is it which is making this work hard or challenging? Why is it that this behavior makes sense at a local level? Because um, there will be reasons, there will be factors. So that is one of the great kind of challenges and one of the great changes which is happening in safety and particularly for the organizations that we're working with at the moment. They're saying, well, we're a lot more interested in this blue line, both in our safety and assurance practices, whether it's investigations, whether it's learning teams and other things which are focused on everyday learning from, from normal work, doing that understanding. But it's also about how, how do we build some of this blue line thinking, this work has done understanding into our safety leadership, whether it's field leadership programs and field site visits, or our more day-to-day -day interactions as safety leaders. Well, let's go back to these six roles. Let's go back to these six roles and think how, if you're thinking as a host rather than as a hero, how do we approach that blue line? Now, let's start with, with the hero, the hero approach to, to safety leadership, which is we go out into the field, we see that blue line variation that work has done, Maybe someone's not wearing a hard hat and that's a standard rule on this site. Well, what does that interaction look like? It looks fairly heroic, doesn't it? In terms of, hey, why are you not wearing your hard hat? Get your hard hat on, hey, glasses. Why aren't you wearing your glasses? Although activities may look like a motivational speech about how the safety goals and vision we've set out is achievable and everyone needs to align. And, you know, you know the drill. You've seen what, some of these field leadership exercises and activities look like, and it may all seem very, well, heroic. How do those things and how do blue line interactions look if we're thinking as a host? Well, I'm not gonna think about initiator, I wanna think about inviter. So we're interested in learning about the blue line, about work as done in our organization. How might the role of inviter as a host be useful to us? Well. How good are we at inviting dissent in our organization? I be willing to challenge our current work as imagined or the things that we currently do in safety, be willing to challenge people who are, um, they see the work is done as the problem as opposed to a symptom of the problem. How good are we at inviting different perspectives in terms of understanding workers done how good are we at inviting in workers who do the the job and do the work every day into our decision making processes or into our ways we develop workers imagine how we write procedures and policies and so forth um, are we willing to be challenged and challenge others so that's one way of thinking about invite that inviter role think about space creating do we create space for autonomy at a local level? Are we creating psychological space for people to be either creative, innovative, for them to feel some degree of mastery? Or do we take more of a heroic 
or driven approach, i.e. we're driving performance, we know the right way to do things, and this is the way it needs to be done. Because that doesn't leave much space for people to have pride of workmanship or to feel ownership around the things that they're doing. It might be also worth thinking about things like more physical or tangible activities, things like learning teams. How do we go in terms of creating the space, A, in terms of time to allow it to happen, thinking in terms of creating that safe space for people to share their ideas and perspectives, and also having a physical space where effective learning teams can be done. So that's something to chew on around the space creator role. What about gatekeeping? Well, this is problem that probably fits more with our traditional thoughts around safety, well, which is still valid. Um, the traditional role of leadership, who do we want in and who do we want out? That's our place to decide. And sometimes not making those decisions, taking a fairly laissez-faire attitude May, may actually be completely inappropriate. So of course there are times when we have to step up and maybe be heroic in that gatekeeper role. But ultimately that's primarily to serve everybody else who's still in the organization. So there's a role there for, for gatekeeping. Connecting. What does safety leadership look like when you're thinking as a connector? Well, I think this idea of connecting people and connecting ideas is really quite powerful. How are we as a safety organization, are we the, the connectors, the people who bring people together, who connect people to information or to ideas, the right ideas and right information? Are we bringing in the right people around a problem? Or do we see our role as being to fix the problem and make it go away? Do we feel comfortable bringing the right people into a situation and building those relationships, thinking as a host rather than as thinking as a hero? Then finally, as a co-participator, doing the work, building industrial empathy, as we call it, building that understanding from the perspective of the person doing the work every day. Some organizations do this really very well where they have their leadership at all levels, still get involved in the work and go out and do the work, experience the work, the look, the smell, the feel, the, what it's about, creating those, those relationships, but also the understanding of what it takes still to do work every day in our organization. So these are just some limited ways in which thinking as a host can be utilized and can influence and shape not just our thinking, but in turn our actions, the things that we do as leaders in safety. To round out, I really like uh, some of Simon Sinek's work, particularly around his book, Leaders Eat Last, which incorporates some of these ideas of servant leadership, um, but in a more practical way. So he mentions here, leadership is not about being in charge. So leadership isn't about the leader. Leadership is about taking care of those in your charge. And I think that's a really powerful shift in terms of, and, and gels really quite nicely with the idea of being a host as a leader rather than a hero. So there are times to step forward and act heroically. 
And there are times to step back and think more potentially as a servant, but it's not either or, it's an and. And I think that can be quite powerful to think on. For some further inspiration, if you're interested in it, there's two books here I would strongly recommend around, these are around leadership more broadly, but have tremendous, I think, application to how we act as safety leaders too. So Mark's book hosts, uh, six new roles of engagement talks through this concept and the metaphor of leading as a host in quite great detail so there's that one and then David Marquet's turn the ship around for me a really really great book full of really practical tips and ideas uh, and a really great story too in terms of how you turn the performance around on from one of the worst performing vessels in the navy to one of the best performing which isn't really even the story. David Marquet goes on to say, well, I could have achieved that in lots of different ways. Uh, so that in itself isn't the success. The success is of the 14 officers on that vessel. Seven of them are now captains of their own vessels, which is a tremendous kind of strike rate. 50% of the officers on that ship now having their own. That's way above what will be expected and what will be normal. So this approach that he takes not only about having a tremendous effect on performance now but actually also creates more leaders creates more leadership now how is that done well it's through enabling and supporting performance rather than driving performance and i think that's a big difference between heroic mindset driving performance and host mindset enabling and supporting performance removing obstacles and acting as a good host so that's just what I wanted to share uh, today. Uh, there's no great answers here for you or solutions, but I think it's quite a useful way to think about leadership and a useful metaphor to reflect on. Thanks very much, everyone, for your attention. Uh, I'm happy to take any questions or uh, any comments if anyone, anyone has anything. Okay, we don't have any questions just now, but thank you, Andy, that was really interesting. Um, I'll just wait a few seconds because inevitably we do get questions. Um, so, or maybe not. Um, Beth, could you please type the question if you've got a question in the Q&A panel? Um, and Katrina has said, thank you. This is great information and I'm excited to share it with my boss. Very thought-provoking. Thank you. So if you have a heroic boss, yeah, maybe take them the book. <laughs> There's an interesting co comment there from Stephen Carpenter. This requires a unique level of trust and type of ego. Uh, surely it must be binary. You have it or you don't. Yeah, potentially. I think there may be... Um, there may be some truth to that, but I think anyone can take on this idea and kind of try and think as a host. And then the idea being, obviously, if you can think as a host, perhaps then you begin to act as a host, because obviously our thinking hopefully inspires our action. Um, I can see why there's no questions because um, the, the comments. <laughs> um, one of the best presentations I've attended in a while. Thank you. Um, and thanks so much. Very inspiring session. Do you have a follow-up for a second session? There you go. 
Um, great presentation. So, yeah, clearly no questions um, and clearly a fantastic session. So thanks, Andy. Um, hopefully we'll see you again soon. <laughs> thanks, Sarah. Thanks very much for all your uh, thoughts and feedback there. And, uh, yeah, look forward to the opportunity again. Thanks, everyone, for coming. Thanks. Enjoy your week. Bye.